welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me today, I have YA author, writer, Scooby. Adam Sass. Hi, Adam. Hi. We're here in season seven. Oh my gosh, finally, the divisive, <laughs> divisive um, season seven. Um, and we are being joined by two very amazing guests here today. So first up, we've got television writer and comedian. Gabe Liebman. Hello. Um, Hello. <laughs> hi. Um, and then also, last but not least, we've got drag artist best known from Drag Race UK season one. It's Crystal. And you forgot Desperate Slut. Desperate <laughs> I left that to be implied very heavily. <laughs> that will become, that will be revealed throughout right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm currently <laughs> drinking a beer, so it's only downhill from here. Oh, guys. <laughs> and I have a diet root beer, so same. <laughs> I've got a hot toddy, so my throat will be very good. It's good for the throat. Yes. So, Gabe and Crystal, it's both y'all's first time on the podcast. Gabe, would you like to go first and give us your Buffy origin? Uh, sure. Um, I was introduced to Buffy through... Um, a dear friend who is like a real film nerd. She's like the, maybe the most hardcore film buff I have in my orbit. And we were recent college grads and she was um, watching the whole series on rented DVDs from the video store. Um, And she was like, you will absolutely love this. I was a full grown adult. It had already aired fully on television. Um, And I missed it somehow. And she was right. And I was hooked immediately. And I guess I've watched the series through like three times now. So did you start from the beginning? I started from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, Crystal, do you want to give us your Buffy origin? Yeah, I can't really remember, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like was always in my life. But I, I know I started watching in season four when season four was airing. Um, I don't know why I started, but it was a thing I did with my dad who, uh, had recently split up with my mom. And so I would go over to his house on Monday nights. I think it was on Monday nights and we would watch Buffy together. Um, so yeah, lots of really lovely memories. I don't remember when I went back and watched the first, first three series, but I've since watched the whole thing many, many times. Uh, most recently at lockdown. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. It led to a couple like uncomfortable moments of like me being 15 and like Buffy and Spike fucking a house down. Um. (laughs) Oh my God. The fact the house down episode was, um, and we had Drew Greenberg on the writer of that episode and I, and it was, and it was such a delight to just be like, now, now why'd you do that part that way? Um, and it was his first episode, right? So he was a little, that was a little out of his hands, but um, definitely rose to the challenge on that one. It's, it's, it's quite a memorable <laughs> moment for many people. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine has been like going through Buffy now, and he was like, "I forgot how like ridiculous that is when they fucked the house down." I was like, "Oh, so that's where you're at in the season?" He was like, "Yeah, I just watched that episode. <laughs> it's so it good. A lot. How did they not do that like ten more times?" That's what I want to know. It's like, that's immediately <laughs> where my mind goes when they start hooking up is that they're super powerful. And yeah, it's like, I, I respect their, the, uh, them resisting the temptation to do that for every sex scene. Yeah. Cause right. Buffy, yeah. They fucked the house down in Buffy so that in boys, someone could 
crush someone's head with a with her fanny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I don't know. Like you know, perhaps had they continued escalating from that moment, season seven would not have felt like such an anticlimax for so many people. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. It, we can chalk it up to that. So, so we are we are here to talk about the second episode of season seven, Beneath You. And um, I said this in our season premiere, but Jesus Christ, the like previously on one is so long and is so bleak because it has to like quickly wrap up season six. And it's like, oop, Tara died. Oop, Buffy died. Oop, they're back to life. Uh, Willow killed everyone. And there you go. The like previously a lot on, of people crying. Like the previously ons love showing that bullet go through Tara time and time again. Like, oh, it was oh just, my like, God. Yeah. On, bang, like your shirt. Like I was like, oh, again, we were. I think we're all familiar, yeah. Oh, but I will watch Warren get flayed infinite times. I put that in any wrap up for me. I love it. Yes, yes. It, the yes, cultural it's... reset that flaying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say I remember like going into that episode, like watching it, and I was watching it with a friend, and just I kept being like the know it all. Like when it aired, I was like, well, she's not really gonna kill him. Like obviously, she's not gonna kill him. And then it was like, oop. <laughs> oh, it's so shocking! I love it. I I, I scream and clap every time. <laughs> it's great because it's one of it's one of those things where like you see in um in shows a lot where it's like this beloved character kills someone. It's usually some sort of a like grapple, grapple. Oh, accident! I shoved too hard. She homicides him. Oh yes, yes. Like, <laughs> like she sets it up. Just, like, she decides. Yeah. Oh, it's so good and it's fast yeah. and shocking. Bored now. Mm. Yeah. So yes, good. bored uh, now. Yes. Um, so we open on this potential slayer racing through uh, Germany. She's a punk goth looking pink haired slayer. Sign me up. I wonder what you guys thought. I, I asked everyone in the first episode too. Um, I liked these little like starting with the potential slayer getting hunted. I I wish I liked the way in this episode that once she dies, we see that. Buffy was also seeing it, like yes. in her dream, but mm-hmm. we know it's real. I think that's a good way of doing that. Um, I wish we would have gotten because I don't think I think maybe we get one more, if that. Um, but what did you all think of that, like opening with the Slayer and stuff? I loved it. It was like definitely an an homage to Run Lola Run. I think like uh, right we're there, in yeah. Germany. She's got pink hair. She's a punk, and I don't remember if this came first or Alias, but like Alias also did that very yeah same vibe and i just i i have a lot of time for like german techno and like a pink wig um (laughs) (laughs) it really does things to me (laughs) uh i know she's got she's got yeah she's she's the best style of the whole episode like she's she's really got a a sense of style she's not wearing like a nighty to school and (laughs) which i'm sure we'll come to um yeah i loved it and I like I liked I remember watching it and being like, oh my god, are these slayers? Like what is this? What's going on? And I really enjoyed that like that mystery of who these girls were. Yeah. It's very yeah, slasher. Me too. It like kind of does still bring in that um tying it back into kind of the original idea of of like you're taking the kind of the slasher killer after the blonde girl and turning it on its head or something. Yeah. yeah. And what does Buffy say coming out of the dream? Somewhat like a girl screamed and Dawn's like, that was you. I loved that. That was a great moment. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm very thumbs up for this. What's a little sad is like how interesting these one-offy dead 
slayers are compared to the girls who amass in the house to come. Um, <laughs> so true. And they're so worldly and they're so high style. And I guess it's just sort of like they spent the creativity on this like, you know, three minute sequence <laughs> as opposed to, you know, the girls who come and live with her um, who are a little oh, bit more plain. But I was I was along for the ride. A house full of drips. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, it's, it's a bit of a flop crew. Um, comes in. <laughs> Listen, Molly. I'm waiting for a <laughs> oh god, Molly from like silly cartoon accent. No, <laughs> I I am waiting to get to the Slayer Girls because my unpopular opinion is Kennedy is the most useful, so I don't hate her as much as everyone else does. Oh, I don't hate Kennedy. Oh, really? Yeah. I also don't hate Kennedy. <gasps> I'm in good company. Everyone is always, I'm always like, no, I defend her. Like, of course she's not Tara, but like, that's the whole point. She's very different. Like let Willow get laid by like a young hot top. Exactly. Sure, why not? Like yeah. it's a rebound. She's, I think she's a lot of the soul of this season. I actually really like her. And the way she takes the lead with Willow is so sexy. Um, yes. Yeah. She's awesome. And I like that. They just like any, any other show they would have like, let the lesbian character just be like full of grief rest of the series. Like that would be the whole, that would be their whole arc. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we get to see a second relationship, I think that's like really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it makes sense that Willow's next girlfriend would be completely different from Tara. Like, I just think that tracks, I don't know. Cause a lot of people really hate her. Um, and I'm interesting. Yeah. A lot of people. I'm going to say it. They're jealous of her. (laughs) (laughs) they are jealous kennedy has her shit together (laughs) i like people usually like oh but she's bratty and like okay but isn't she like 17 she (laughs) like 19 i think yeah 19 like yeah okay i was a horrible brat (laughs) yeah i was not saving shit she's kind (laughs) of like good faith like that's yes. kind of the thing and it kind of digs up a lot of like willow's stuff with faith because they were at loggerheads a lot in their original yeah. season and it yeah. was like yeah. ooh, it kind of shines new light on that it was like oh was that was that not all animosity mm. listen i feel like all of all of us as gays can understand that right? <laughs> and kennedy also kennedy also gives me serious um m from the x-men vibes or generation x like just like privileged but knows it and loves it and it's kind of un- unapologetic and i think i personally always respond to that in characters because huh. it's i really like that comparison <laughs> i've never thought of that before but because m is one of my beloved like i loved generation x as a kid when that came out so i like that comparison yeah um but so kennedy's not in this episode so we <laughs> buffy, <Right>. buffy screams <laughs> and wakes up <laughs> uh we get a a cut of the demon that's going to be underground though a thing that I do want us to discuss is, so the the dead slayer says to Buffy in her dream from beneath you it devours. This is going to be like the quote unquote prophecy of the season. That's like very, eh, is it? Um, This episode does a thing where it like muddles that. And I, I don't know. I think it's on purpose, but I don't love the like, so she gives that message <coughs> and then we see this demon underground. We repeat the from beneath you a couple of times and you mm-hmm. think it's this demon, but this demon kind of just, him being underground has is like incidental to like the beneath you like through line. I don't know. Mm. I didn't, I thought that's like a little like, mm, we should have either 
not had the demon be underground or had that prophecy come like in the next episode or something. I don't know. What did you, Gabe, you write for TV. What do you think? I do write for TV. I mean, I was, I mean, I don't think it could possibly be a mistake. Like, there's no way that they do season seven from beneath you, all of that stuff. And then accidentally introduce it on a one-off, you know, a one-off episode villain. So it was obviously, to me, it's like a real choice. Um, I didn't, just while we're on this topic, I really didn't like, care about this villain. What I like that it brought me back to Anya, but this, it was like, I watched this in, I watched this episode yesterday in preparation to talk to you. (laughs) But before that (laughs) I had watched it even at Buffy is one of the first things I watched when we went into lockdown in March, just did a full rewatch thinking that, you know, we'd be back outside and, a month or two. Um, and right. so like, I've seen this episode twice pretty recently. And I, even this morning was like, wait, what was the villain in the episode? <laughs> mm-hmm. So it didn't really make an impact. I don't think it was a good one, but I don't think it could possibly be a mistake that they introduced it in this way. I don't know if it's the best choice. Yeah. I think I, I kind of liked it at first. Cause it got, I was like, Oh my God, they're giving us a big bad straight away. Like, like we're already, going right in and then and then i kind of appreciate the the psychness of it all like mm-hmm. gotcha it's not that but um it is a really shit baddie of the week and this <laughs> like it's someone it's in the writer's no, room oh yeah sorry yeah it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't have st- that staying power exactly like you say i did the exact same thing i watched the whole series um in march and i still didn't remember how this all worked <laughs> out yeah i mean it's really um aside from a few like kind of like shining moments like season seven is really not known as a good one-offs season it's really kind of just better known as like a single arc and so like this sort of me like this just kind of fit with how i've been feeling about season seven which is just very 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 good for character arcs and that development but like all the one-offs have like completely faded from my mind except maybe for the like the like the like quarterback's jacket episode. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I do think, I think the season starts out strong though with the tone. I think it does a good job of giving us, cause season six was such a like downer. And like, I mean, Adam, we spent a year and a half talking about season six and it's like it was, nice to talk about episodes that where like, everyone's not depressed and crying constantly. Yeah, you it know? was, I mean, it, it, I mean, it definitely was sort of like, yeah, let's, you know, like kind of bring it back to the star. We're going to introduce that high school again. They're feeling a little adult right now. Let's kind of ground it again into a location. Um, and that's not Buffy's house as much. And uh, so I like that they bring back in the school. And yeah, definitely there was like an attempt to make this a little less... Um, super bleak but even then like they 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 do get they do continue getting pretty bleak like like oh the whole spike thing oh yeah Yeah. i mean it's like there's a whole it's very heavy it's very um that early 2000s era of storytelling which was like every character was carrying the weight of the world on them yeah so we cut to xander driving the summer's ladies to school uh i kind of like this it's weird that they're like all the talking they're doing is basically reminding you of all their dating lives. Um, but mm-hmm. the I, I think the actors do 
Dawn, I said this in the last episode too. I think Dawn this season is immediately way better of a character. They do a good job of like, she's she's still the kid's sister, but she's not just like constantly screaming and she's not just like throwing fits. And she's kind of like, she's rolling her eyes at them almost, um, yeah. which does feel, that's still like, I know that the screaming is still like true of a teenager who's going through grief, but like also it feels true that like a teenager would be rolling her eyes at like, her quote unquote adult friends. I mean, granted, they're all 21s. They're not really adults, but like, you know, like they're, they're older. So she's kind of like, also don't talk to me at school. Um, and I, I think that's a version of Dawn. I like way better. Yes. I love for, I'm going to say, I love Dawn. That also might not be. You came with the hot takes. (laughs) I mean, I love Dawn. It's one of my favorite. I mean, just going back to season five, her appearance and all of that, I think I, I, I love Dawn. I don't think that she's always fun to watch. And I totally agree with you that she gets annoying, but I kind of think that's the point, but I'd love her in this episode. And when we get further into the episode, she has, I think the best moment of anyone. Um, She just, in this one, right. I, I do, it's the, wouldn't you say the writing's different for her, right? Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. Um, they're making her the the high schooler. Yeah, so yeah. she's getting a lot of, like, what Buffy kind of used to be. Yeah, yeah. She still manages to be annoying throughout this season, but I do think <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, yeah, for the most oh, part, she's her. like, she, yeah, you get, you kind of get, like, back to proto-Buffy through Dawn, and yeah. And that's quite nice. <laughs> Crystal, I like that you were like, mm, I'm going to try to be fair about what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Dawn fan. But were like, you like, did you hate it when she showed up out of nowhere? Like, well, I know because I always, I always like a shakeup in status quo. So I'm, I'm fine with that. It's just that then there were just so many episodes of her being a whiny, annoying kleptomaniac. Yeah. And it was just like, so true. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the kleptomania is like a, Let's throw one more thing to make her yeah. annoying. Here, she's gonna steal from her friends. Like <laughs> it was, it's. I like that they gave her um, character growth following the end of season six. Um, yeah, that you know, like she lost her mom and then kind of continued to regress, but then she got a lot of basically confidence in growing up by losing Tara as well, because she basically kind of had no other sort of these adult figures left. So she was sort of like a forcing her to become a little more mature. Yeah. Just Tara, Tara was like the only one that I, I feel like now that she understood her, but was like a lot more fair with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And you know, and, and Willow's gone. And so I feel like that whole, this whole summer between season six and seven was just kind of her and Buffy. And I feel like that really kind of, I think they did a lot of good work just like, kind of maturing to that point in general uh, character. Um, but uh, um, it's like, like with Kennedy, I just feel very like neutral towards both of them. Like, I'm not like, hey, yeah. like, I'm just, I don't have enough of an opinion about them to hate. Yeah. That's I fair. think Dawn moves solidly from someone I disliked to someone I didn't really have an opinion on by season seven. <laughs> and I think that's like, that's great growth. That's a good <laughs> What more could you ask for? Exactly. <laughs> just. Just fade into that background, Dawn. Like, that's a thing. Like, it was one of those things where like, and they do kind of get to this um, later in the season with her and Xander. And I just, um, it's kind of like from a writing standpoint, they were kind of like, oh yeah, okay. Like uh, Dawn and Xander are like, they don't have powers. They don't have this. They don't have that. And I was like, 
well, hun, they got to bring something then. Um, <laughs> and either that, then they got to bring like a really, you know, nasty sense of humor or something. They can't just be like, yeah, we don't bring anything. And then that's it. Like, so that's kind of, I feel like the box they kind of got painted into is everybody else got um, yeah. more and more powerful. And as they kept um, sort of, you know, siphoning characters like, you know, Cordelia over to other shows who really had this charm and zest and, you know, like Cordelia complained all the time. It's not about complaining characters. It's, it's, it was really kind of about like, it's like, Oh, okay. What's kind of the best use of this actor? Um, and I feel like they did kind of get to a good point, but I feel like it, I feel like they didn't really um, sort of realize that character until maybe the very end. Her position as like, I mean, she even says it later on the episode where she like jokingly says like, everyone check in with me. I'll be command center. Actually, I'll be doing homework. Like that's like a good, I don't know. I like beats like that. Like, yep. She's mm-hmm. like joking about the fact that she's not really doing anything. Um, and that again, feels like that's what the teenager, the younger one would be doing yeah. in this situation. Yes. If they de-emphasized her screen time and kind of kept her sort of as this sort of wisecracking, like, Allison Brady Bunch type person who just kind of kept walking in and out of frame. Like, I got stuff to do. Like that, she would have been an icon probably. Yeah, that's a good call. I have homework to do. Wow. Like, I mean, that, just some sort of like balance to like some levity balance to like the heaviness yeah. as it got heavier and darker. Um, Give some sort of sense of normalcy and grounding. And, and also just, again, like she was very, very talented in this. I just think there was like so much overuse. Yeah. There was, yeah. yes, of course, for sure. Yeah. She never needed a story, almost. Right. And right. what made her so great is that she was an object. And yeah, she didn't need to be <laughs> so <laughs> on screen so much. <laughs> Agreed. So we we get Buffy at her first day at her job. I like that An they iconic joke- look <laughs> for your first day of work at a school. <laughs> Crystal, do you have something to say about this? Outfit? I just, well, I... I was thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me about fashion choices. And and I I just wonder if the, Buffy has really ever worn anything that I've liked. Like, only, maybe <laughs> maybe only when she's, like, when she's a bad girl. Like, if she's out on the town with Faith and she's wearing some leather trousers. But, like, for the most part, she dresses like, oh, it's just... What what is it? What what is so wrong with it? It's like it's got too much lace. It's got a little neck scarf. I, I can't remember if I'm thinking of which stupid lacy outfit she's wearing at this point. Yeah, this I know she like wears two in this lace. episode. Yeah, well, the <laughs> black sort of... cami is for night, and the white is for day for your first day of work at a school. It's like plunging camisole, but like be- but like a twenties fit, like a flapper fit. Oh, it's awful. It's like they tried to style Buffy constantly, like how they thought like a going out girl would dress at the time. And I remember like Charmed at the same time would always do this. And they always looked fucking awful too. Like, just like, why are you wearing this? What? Like no one would wear that. And, and <laughs> I, uh, I was worried you were going to say the Charmed girls look good as opposed no, to Buffy. I was like, mm. Chris, no, I was, no, it's it the same kind of about to criminal say tops. Yeah. Criminal <laughs> tops. It's sort of like, chokers that were not dark enough to like be very present it was just sort of like a a fair piece of lace around the neck and like it was just it would always just be very it was just this sort of very airy ethereal look and it just seemed I don't know it was Mm -hmm. was not it didn't really make too much of a statement it just it did but it does like the second you see it you go first half of 2000s yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't even like I wonder if it is an era thing or if it's just like that they were trying to make her like 
I'm a normal looking girl. And I think they should have just given her a little bit more of a style direction. Yep. And maybe it would have aged better. Hmm. See, I, I always think that season seven, while I don't like, I'm not in love with a lot of the choices. I think season seven has aged season five and seven. I think the fashion aged the best. Like they still feel like things people might wear. The rest of the seasons do not to me. Hmm. They finally figured out Buffy's hair in seven. Yes. Yeah. This is the best I her hair has ever looked. I think five and seven, I both, yeah, her hair and fashion are my favorites in five and seven because, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I she does a lot of updos in this season and I think it looks good on her. Yeah. Mm. Um, but so she has a cute uh, interaction with Principal Wood, who is very handsome. Uh, she asks him if she can give detention and then she's like did you hear about what happened to principal flutie which i like <laughs> they try to fit in as many of these when they're talking about school as possible and i always like them whenever they're like oh buffy and xander and willow are referencing things from seasons one two and three and i it's kind of fan servicey but i love it i love it i'm here for it yeah and it just gets more and more as the season goes on like exploding kids and and disappearing <laughs> children and stuff like it i i really appreciate kind of that we go we go right back to the beginning as they say in <laughs> the premiere <laughs> right i do like that i think there's i know a lot of people feel not great about season seven but that's the kind of shit that i love i'm like well if we know it's the last season like give me references to all this other shit because we know that it's a thing that happens on the mm-hmm. Hellmouth. So a high school, there's a lot of kids. Sure, that shit would be happening. Mm-hmm. She goes downstairs to kind of investigate and look for Spike because she saw him in the basement in the last episode. We cut to Willow and Giles in England. What do you all think of these scenes? Because I like them, but I kind of wish we had more of them. I, I, I was going to say, like... I want, I wanted like four scenes, right? For the just make that a cool B story and let us see like um, what what they're doing together because i like what she alluded to and how he's helped her um and i would really i would watch scenes of that for sure well was was there a scene in episode one i can't even remember because she references like does she like go into the earth and she senses something dark right it's all connected right yeah yeah okay she like has that little flower that's like oh yeah yeah give me more of that cgi flower <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I love. Yeah, it. like th- we could have used like a bit of time with her in like the coven, or yes. like yeah, like, just some like some some British magicy stuff. Who's the faculty at this rehab? It seems cool. I think that like it probably was like a budget thing too. They probably, I mean, because they actually filmed on like Anthony Stewart Head's like plot of land, like that's his house mm. uh, oh. where they filmed. Wow. And, uh, like. Yeah, and in the first episode, he's riding a horse, and that's Anthony Stewart's <laughs> horse. This is oh! <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, um, and they still so have well. the whole budget-looking issues of the last few things. <laughs> All right, but so like they probably couldn't like it. Probably was a budget thing, but I would have. I don't know. I love that shit with like, I don't know if any, I talk about the show all the time, but the magicians, I loved the magicians mm-hmm. and I kind of loved watching them like do magic things in like a classroom setting. I don't know that that's like fun to watch. And right? To speak to the budget. It's like you flew the crew there. You're already there. That's true. <laughs> like just like hire two actors. And there you got <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I always thought that those scenes looked a little bit weird though. And I wondered if they got like, a British crew just to do it. I bet they did. I bet they did. Because it's all so union. When you shoot in another country, you always use union workers from that country. Hmm. There's something just a little bit softer about it all. 
you know what? Someone actually said they were like, oh, well, that's like clearly not London, right? I was like, oh, no, that's why it looks a little different because it is London. Like they flew, which is weird. They didn't need to, but I think it's probably Anthony Stewart Head didn't want to come back to America. He's that's like, why... I'll come back when I'm actually doing a bunch of episodes back to back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder if that was like his negotiation was like, I'm not flying there, but you could use my my beautiful estate to film at. So and I'll give you that. Now, was he just yeah. at home or was he like doing a show on the west end or like what was he doing i I think he was in like a play okay okay good yeah and Um, he was just sick of being in california right or something yeah yeah that was why he left in season six because he just like didn't want to live there anymore wow because his family was in london Mm. but so yeah we get like a little bit that we learn willow's leaving um yeah there's not really much to that scene we then we cut to nancy getting her dog eaten Hmm. um do we think she was supposed to be a little bit like anya I don't know. I felt like she was like, her look was a little bit like Anya's. Maybe it was just like plain white girl with brown hair, though. <laughs> huh. I mean, we're, we're in Charmed Land again. Yeah. She did not have what Anya has, let's just say. No. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I think she's just a real non-character in the same way that the baddie is a non-baddie. It's like, it's just things to move the character storyline on, and it really feels like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- she was a stepping stone back to Anya. We were we're just trying to get to the bronze at this point. True, because like we even have Xander saying in the beginning that he like has seen Anya at the bronze, but that's it. They don't like talk or whatever. Um, and I guess, yeah, this was just like a way to get them to have to interact with Anya. I mean, you have Emma Caulfield in the credits. You got to use her, right? Mm-hmm. And she's she's great. the best. Yeah. Is she a controversial character? No, no. Do every- people love Anya? Okay, yeah. thank God. That That's like... A- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like scared. I'm scared every time I like someone now. So wait, Dawn is bad? Shit. <laughs> Gabe, I can't believe okay. you didn't but know no, that. But Anya's good, right? Anya's good? Yes. Good. Yes. Uh, yeah, everyone... Yeah, everyone loves Anya, and I'm always also trying to get Emma Caulfield on the podcast. But so we get Nancy, her dog gets eaten, she runs into Xander. We go to Buffy's house. And Spike comes in because I feel like this is what we're trying to do is bring us back to Anya and Spike because they are main characters, but they are separated from the cast for two very different reasons. And this kind of plot is just kind of like bringing us back. Crystal, was that you giving the oof? That was me. That was Gabe. Uh, Gabe, talk (laughs) about it. Spike is a big oof for me. (sighs) I don't love Spike. And what I, I was happy that um, this was the episode uh, I get to rewatch and talk about because Spike is one for me one of the hardest characters to deal with in a rewatch because once you know where what that he that he rapes Buffy that it's really hard to see him with a clean slate and. I, you know, it's just as soon as he appears, it's what I'm screaming at the TV. He like, fuck him. He raped Buffy in any rewatch. So it's it's so satisfying to watch um, an episode <laughs> that acknowledges that history um, and makes it a part of the story. Because it's, it's hard for me to deal with this character and not acknowledge that that's what he did. And this is what I was talking about, where I think that Dawn really maybe had the best moment in this whole episode, but her confrontation with Spike in the, in the summer's home, I think was give me chills. That was, I think really good writing and really good acting. 
Um, yes. And a cool direction for Don. Yeah. Yeah, it really made sense for their characters as well. Um, I think with Spike, like I've just never really warmed to him that much, even though I, like I dip in and out of finding him really hot. I <laughs> and like in this blue spandex Oof, top, I think that oh, was a top. so good. Oh, that's a, I mean, that is great. But like he kind of represents this kind of masculinity that I just find really boring on yeah. TV. It was like kind of heroic, but gruff, but and all of those things. And I'm just not really interested. I loved Spike when he was played for comedic effect because whenever he takes himself too seriously and then they like make him fall on his face, that's always really good TV. But yeah. Just Spike as like the hero is really not that interesting to me. Do you think you on know, set someone came? Okay, I I cannot watch Spike without thinking about his scalp and the <laughs> the pain of keeping his hair that color for so many years. Do you oh think gosh. that there was someone on set who came to draw like wipe the dandruff off of his shoulders as often as there was someone who came to powder Buffy or get the tendrils out of her hair, out of her face. You know what I mean? Like that was, I think the beauty person assigned to spike was all dandruff control. Like, so that's why he didn't have like the full bleach job at the start of the season. Cause they were like, we're just going to give him a couple more days before we have to do the roots. We're going to let his brain breathe. Yeah. I just like, I'm not, I'm just like wondering, like, why wouldn't they have just done some sort of like a very good wig at some point? Oh, I don't now know. When that's like, a wig. That's money. Yeah. That's money. Yeah. It was just like <laughs> some sort of like Valerie Cherish where she's wearing like her kind of done up red hair on top of her own. Red hair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's good wife money right there. A that's wig. Good, yeah. A wig that looks like your own hair. That's not uh, shoot your England scenes and Anthony Hill no. house money. <laughs> no, yeah. If they tried to do that, it would have probably looked like ridiculous because I remember when the episode when Sarah Michelle Geller has to like, when Buffy cuts her hair, but it's like clearly, it looks like, I, I don't, it looked like the, the wig I wore when I was Tina Belcher for Halloween. Like, <laughs> it did not look good. No, there's like, there's a thing where, um, in uh in one of my top shows twin peaks there's a lower palmer at some point when they do flashbacks like because in her like the you know the, the actress is like they have her um in dark hair in the regular show and then like they've got her in this because you could never keep track of like what was her real hair because it all looked like a wig mm-hmm. like everything looked like almost on purpose she's wearing a wig like it looked like um like a hairspray type wig and it was supposed like, and it would just be like, and you'd see like pictures of her and they'd be like, oh, here's a picture of Laura Palmer. And it looked like regular normal hair because they took it like from a headshot from like before the show. Then they kept trying to match it and it was just like, God awful wigs. It was just <laughs> poof and not laid right. And so, yeah, but I would have, I would have honestly, it would have made Spikes, you know, I think a lot more interesting to have some visibly horrible wig. Well, <laughs> speaking of funny. the wigs, like that's, on the rewatch that's what i noticed the most is like you can always always tell when the stunt double comes in because suddenly the hair looks yeah. awful and it's from oh, behind boy. and like it happens even in this episode uh, when oh this when ponytail spike hits anya no when spike hits anya in the bronze and suddenly you're like who's that lady in that bad wig um, <laughs> <laughs> in that like, same fight buffy's stunt double has like a ponytail but it's like a double wide like um she has a lot more <laughs> hair pulled back it's bad i wasn't i wasn't sure if like it's just a, a 
failing of HDTV that like suddenly I notice all of the stunt doubles all the time. Or you're like, who are those two people fighting that aren't either of the characters? <laughs> um, or if I just didn't notice any of that when I watched it the first time, but like I, we would just pause it and just zoom in on the hilarious stunt double faces. <laughs> it's got to be HD because yeah. all, all I do now is just spot bad stunt doubles yeah. and everything. Yeah, I feel like a lot of shows, especially back then, especially something that didn't have like quite the budget, like anytime Buffy and Faith fight, it's like, who are these two people in wigs? Because they're clearly not Buffy and Faith. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like a lot of hairography going around. And especially because I'm always like screen capping to like tweet the screenshots and whatever. Anytime I pause, I'm like, oof, this is rough. Like the, they definitely tried <laughs> to keep their faces down. So the hair would dangle, but then the hair didn't just look like straw in their faces. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of that. But so I do, I, I do want to talk about Spike because so people get mad at our podcast is they think we hate Spike, but I do love Spike. I just think he's a problem. And I loved him so much until like season six did a lot of work for me, like watching it live, like Xander leaving Ani at the altar made me like never forgive Xander. Yeah. And then Spike raping Buffy. It's like how I have a lot of, I, I get that in the rules of the show, it's he didn't have a soul. That's the only reason I could continue with that because right, it's a different universe. And like, you know, I'm a grumpy atheist, but I have to believe in this show that his soul is like a real thing and blah, blah, blah. But it just (laughs) makes it so hard, especially now. Like, you know, back then I was like 18, 19 watching that. So I was a little bit more forgiving, but watching it as an adult, I definitely like these scenes hit differently because I, I actually pointed out in my notes when Buffy's like, you better not be coming here to apologize. And he's kind of like, I'm not. And I'm like, mm, but why aren't you apologizing? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's feels... the thing. That's why you can't ever like fully headcanon away stuff like that because they keep like they kept like really not doing this correctly, the storyline correctly. Like it was one of those things where like it you really just want to will that plot line to just evaporate with your brain because yeah. it's just, you could so easily lift it out, and it just makes so much other stuff fraught because like. They have every reason in the world to hate each other, like, without that story. Exactly. You could have easily done it in that way. Yeah. Exactly. They could be having the exact same conversation without the yeah. rape. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like their heart wasn't even really in it. Like, the writers, like any of it. It was just all it felt a little bit cut and pasted in. And it never really made sense. And I feel the same way about, like, the rape scene in Showgirls, where I'm like, oh, why? 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 Yeah. This, this film was good until, like... It didn't need that bit. Well, good, but yes. <laughs> it's starting to seem as if we're in a rape culture that is poorly. <laughs> God, is there yeah. some larger conversation to have? <laughs> I don't know. We should get to the bottom of this. It's probably just but, a Buffy problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the show. Uh, but like, I will say, I think it's a credit to James Marsters and Simon Schiller's acting is that they still, they're still doing a lot of good acting in their scenes together. Yeah, I think. Agreed. Um. It's like, so that's why there's like that, like, I feel so torn because it's like, ooh, but these are good actors and they're doing like a lot of work with what they have. But also just why aren't they fucking like, we're not addressing the thing that happened except for like in a weird flashback that also we didn't need. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel very conflicted because I know when I, when I watched it and I still kind of feel this way, like I really liked Buffy and Angel as former lovers who respect each other and like sometimes have to fight evil together. I really like that dynamic. Um, and I kind of always thought of Spike as like my like Buffy boyfriend, but, uh, 
and while James Marsters does do it for me, and especially a spike with his stupid hair and his, you know, leather jacket, I'm a sucker for that shit. But yeah, like, especially now it's like, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. It was a different time, but it did. It was not right then either. Right. It's just, yeah. um, they, people were not giving it the correct amount of thought and sort of, I think yes. treating it like it was a story move. Um, mm. yeah. As opposed to I mean, what yeah. is a very real experience for so many people watching the show. Yeah, and so I. But again, I do love. I mean, Gabe, you said I. I. I think that dawn scene is really good. Ooh, and she's just you like sleep, you will wake right? up on fire. Yeah, you sleep right is such a good beginning. Oh, I loved it because like she knows she and she's right. She knows she can't actually fight him, but she's smart and she's like, mm, I know that this will affect you, so you will wake up on fire and then you will die. Like, yeah. It's it's really good and it's really good for like maturing Dawn. Um and also I don't quite even know why Spike is there. Right? Like he's there he's to help, sh- but like why did he He's like showing off his soul. <laughs> right? Yeah. He like he's like, yeah. I got this thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now I'm back. Shirt. I'm fixed and you have to see it. Um I mean and I think this is maybe like- why you liked Angel, maybe. I feel like that's he part of it. He's kind of toxic guy who's like, look, I fixed myself. I did the thing, which is like, and she's like, all I needed you to do is like apologize and never come back here. And you couldn't do either. Yeah. yeah. And you, yeah, you couldn't do either of those things that I needed you to do. <sighs> so Xander takes Nancy home. Um, they get like, you know, whatever. They're kind of flirting, blah, blah, blah. I got really mad at, so, and I know this is me being a problem. I get more mad at Xander, I feel like because he does so much of the woe is me, my ex. And it's like, no, you left her at the altar. For no do not a- reason. Do not agree with 100%. this woman when she says your ex shows up and ruins everything because you are the one that ruined everything, yeah. sir. Like, For no reason. God, <laughs> For no so many- reason. <laughs> <laughs> I get like, so, and I think it's because I love Anya so much. It's like, no, 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 you don't get to, you don't get to play sad at all about this because yeah, it was like no reason. It was a stupid demon doing a stupid trick. You live in a universe where that shit happens all the time and yet you fucking fell for it. And fuck you. That's <sighs> how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still hot about that. Like, I'm just like, that didn't need to happen. You could, ooh. That's, I think that's another reason why it's hard for me to connect when, with like a 100% like, like, docking station connection to six and seven is because I just feel the right, the writer in me just leaps out way too often to just be like, you didn't, I know what you're trying to do. You wanted to get the, you wanted to get on you over here and you wanted to get right. Xander over here. And I know what you're like, you could just see the matrix like yeah. way too easily where with the other seasons, it kind of just flowed and the correct choices were made. And then you just can see the way they bent stuff just to make this thing they wanted to have happen, happen. It's also more interesting if, Anya and Xander get married and have a fight and she becomes a demon then. Like, if you can still yeah. have it all. Oh God, you... It's just so weird to have him leave. It's such a huge swing to leave someone at the altar. And it's so unforgivable and it's so weird. It's it, it's such, they shit the bed so hard on that one. It's so weird. And they, yeah. you could, I, I get wanting to get, have Anya be a demon again because she's so funny at it. And there's so many times being an ex-demon is funny. Like, I get the appeal, but there's a million ways to get there that don't burn Xander that way. Yeah, 
it's leaving some of the altar is just such like a soap opera story beat like yeah. it's like yeah. be, it's like being in a coma it's just so <laughs> ugh. and the fact that it was even unearned as well is just like why have you why have you done this to us yeah but right, uh, because a lot, of, a lot of people go, go sorry, ahead, go ahead. Sorry. no sorry go ahead i was just gonna say that xander's whole arc this season is just really annoying to me because i've I've never really liked Xander. And I think he's Xander's kind of the character who's done the most shitty things and never had any repercussions for them. Yeah. And then and then we just all we get is like, oh, you're the one who sees. Like, oh, you're the you're you're holding this all together, Xander. It's like, fuck <laughs> off. No, you're not. You're absolutely useless. And like you're you're lucky to be along for the ride. <laughs> it's like, no, they are saving you constantly. That's what you are there for. Yes. <laughs> um but so then Xander does connect the dots because Nancy says she wished something for her boyfriend and like, oop, there's Anya. We know it's Anya. And she said that word. Um, Anya is immediately a very nice, fresh, a uh, breath of fresh air in this episode, I think. Um, Emma Caulfield's acting is just, she's great. She's dynamic. Anya's a fun character to watch. I think she looks great. Um and then she's one of those people that, like, I really like her dark hair. I know it has the, like, very of-the-time feathered look, but I love it. The mm. flippy, the flippy layers yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, I like it, too. Yeah. It's like she's she's speed racer. <laughs> <laughs> she's going, moving so fast at all times. That's why her hair is like that. And I, I even like her, you know, she's talking to this woman who she's waiting to cause a wish. And, like, she's bored, right? She... She just wants the woman to get to the point and she's just like bored. The woman says like, you know what I wish? And she's like, guy, do I want to know what you wish? And I just like that even doing her demon duties, she's fucking bored. Um, mm. And that like tracks for Anya. She's kind of bored of a lot of people, right? Because she kind of exists on like a different wavelength than most. And that's why we love her. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish like, now that you're saying this, I almost wish like, yeah, like you had said before, like, no, have them get married, have her be like six months into out of the honeymoon phase, like by the time we reach her. And then she's just so bored with married life and mortal life that she's like, I really miss kind of being a demon. And then the, that kind of reengages her. Like yeah. it's more of like a choice on her end rather than like kind of a done to thing. Like I think right. been a very mm -hmm. much more in line with like the other arcs they were doing, which is like finding your purpose. Because it's one of those things where like, yeah, nice things have kind of happened to you. But like. Maybe she did enjoy all that. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed speculating, like, where did she find this girl in the bar, and like, how is she, <laughs> how is she striking up these conversations, and like, it's just, it's just like you can't imagine that happening in twenty twenty. Maybe because of the pandemic, but also just like, imagine just going up to someone in the bar and trying to get them to tell you about their shitty ex <laughs> and make like, make a, like... about them. <laughs> getting them yep. to make like a metaphor that you could then yeah. make literal it's like what did you say he's like a worm do you wish he was a worm <laughs> to get to that point is ridiculous <laughs> whereas like hallie you know she's a guidance counselor it makes sense of course people are going to say things in front of her and she's right. got an excuse to pry but like how is how is anya getting to that point at just ran with random girls in the bar they must well, all think she's, she's hitting on them well, because she's, yeah, because oh. she's coming up with this sort of, like, cool divorcee energy. Yeah. <laughs> her divorcee yeah. Here. Like, you know, and it's, um, and that's the sort of thing, I think. And I think also, like, Anya's, um, I don't know. I feel like I would tell anything to Anya. Like, I would. True. Yeah. I was just about to say, Adam, well, I know you, can, you can vouch for me that, like, the moment a, like, someone looking like Anya, like a very pretty, very charming woman came up to me and was like, tell me about your shitty ex. I'd be like, well, 
I will tell you everything. <laughs> you would tell someone at the bus stop about your shitty act. Like... Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was sort of like, like a moth. I, I almost like... wish he lived his life as a moth. <laughs> God, I wish he was I'm a like, moth. Hold let me bring up my notes app and I have a lot of things to tell you. Like, yeah. <laughs> if she was, if I, I feel like she would have a lot more luck if it was like stormed gay men. Cause we'd just be like, yes. Oh honey, let me tell you everything. They sh- <laughs> frankly should have, because as you put Ani together with any gay guy, like you would just, you would have the oversharing bonanza. And then you have like, obviously it's a very mutual attention, giving and sharing relationship <laughs> symbiosis. It would be great. I mean, that's why Anya and Andrew work well together in their scenes. They that's they really why work. like they the... were funny together. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we I I love that Anya says "oh penis" when she sees oh, the movies. Like she, I love it. So good. <laughs> I wrote uh, I wrote that down. Right, it's such a good line, and her delivery is really good. Um, we I think a lot about this scene. So. Anya and Spike talk about how they had sex, and then Nancy's like, I thought, blah, blah, blah. She's like, is there anyone who hasn't had sex? And Spike and Xander look at each other. I, I don't know. I think a lot about that. I'm always like, mm, did they? Is this supposed to be that like the fan fiction I read in like, you know, 2001 really happened? <laughs> That's them going for a, a Chandler Joey moment. We didn't nap together. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Sorry about my boner. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm and then I get really mad. The 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 pacing of the scene is weird, right? Because then Spike, I like Emma Caulfield's acting is really good. The way she's like looking into his eyes and like, sure, she's a demon, so she can see he has a soul. I'll buy it. I loved it. Yeah. And then he beats her up pretty aggressively. And I I like that then it's like after he punches her a few times, she's demon face and she just knocks him across the room. I like that. I wish there would have been a little bit more of that because I like getting to see Anya fight and fight back and be like evenly mm. matched. But I guess they didn't want to spoil it for, you know, we get that in Selfless with Anya and Buffy. And then Spike just kind of goes back to, I, I don't know. I don't like what we're doing here with Spike. What did you all think? Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. You're totally right. But like, and then and then he goes, he has a full breakdown and, Right. It's just nothing Nothing that happens with Spike this episode really makes sense. Like, why did he come back to the house trying to keep everything together? Like, are we just supposed to understand that he's, like, really on the edge of cracking? And, right. And so he can kind of pretend sometimes, and sometimes it falls apart? Maybe that's what they're trying to do, but it doesn't really work. No, and the way he falls apart, it's... Uh... His dialogue is very out of the Drusilla playbook. Like yeah. the lines mm-hmm. he's saying in the later scene in the church, it's these are not Spike lines. These are Drusilla lines that could have been pasted in from an earlier episode. It's not That's in his vernacular at all. And uh, it's, yeah, it, I, it's very weird because he's then so the spike we know i'm just here to help you know like well i'm just a guy who wants to fight by your side it's such a wild swing it's totally weird and unearned i think the soul thing is interesting if you think of it as like and i I guess that's what he's being tortured by right like he's now feeling all the remorse that he should have felt for these centuries right but uh yeah no i don't think they pulled it off well at all see i do like uh, 
I, I like it. I like that he gets his soul. I think while it's a it's weird that we get a series where like a one vampire with a soul is such a huge deal and doesn't ever happen and then we get it to happen again. But I do like it. I just yeah, I wish Spike Why don't they tie it more to him like wanting to be Angel? That yeah. seems to make more sense yeah. to me. Like, okay. I see I, you'll never take the full beast version of me, but I see the way you pine for the shell of me with a different inside. And I'll, I'll do anything to get that inside that soul. Um, but I, you know, like that seems that I guess they're asking us to do that math more, but that kind of should be the substance of their dialogue. I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I actually do really like the Drusilla-ness of it all. I think that's uh, Anthony in our first episode, uh, my co-host Anthony Alvera, he said that he felt that that's kind of how Whedon and the writers for the show kind of write like quote unquote crazy is they ju- just kind of write it not in like a mental health. They don't write like a mental health breakdown. They write it as in like, you're sometimes saying prophetic things, you're quoting the Bible, like they do they like go for that instead um and I it's a very like... hungry ophelia yes shakespearean yes. start on the brink of starvation yeah and i and i Take do like it and i think i think james marsters does a good job when they give him those lines i think his acting is really good in those spots it's just yeah it's like and I get like, you know, we've all like been the, well, Adam and I have been like the mania where you're like, I'm happy. I'm doing great. I'm here to help when it's actually like you're about to have a nervous breakdown. Um, oh, that's mama. That's when it's about to turn. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't love the like, then he's punching Anya and then he's like making jokes about how he fooled Buffy and like just kind of sounding like a villain, but then like goes to help her. Like I, that's all like, eh. I don't know. And no. I just know someone's going to tweet at us to be like, well, this is why this happened. I know that. <laughs> so I'm preparing for that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I wish it would have been a little bit more consistent in the inconsistencies of him having like a breakdown and feeling guilty about his soul. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where like, because it's, it's all like, it just shows like how a single sort of bad choice, like episodes ago, you know, like with, with, with the rape, like it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, be very careful when you engage in that type of storytelling, because what might get you sort of the beat you're looking for in that episode just will have so many repercussions where we can't trust your storytelling for this character later on. And we kind of look at everything through that prism. Like we're looking at it. We're looking at like Spike's emotions right now, not through the lens of like, I just got my soul. We're looking at through the lens of like a manipulative rapist so we're not buying in on like oh he's really it's like oh this is a manipulate like he's doing it cynically for for whatever reason so it's hard to like really emotionally connect to like his season seven beats i think for people who are really affected by his season six um story yeah yeah especially when you realize later on that like maybe this is all part of you know some other nefarious plan of the first and sleeper agent and all of that stuff you're like how does yeah. this how does this tie in with that and like where are those levels supposed to be are we supposed to be connecting yep. those two things right now or is this just about him being quote-unquote crazy right yeah. i mean that's the thing because we we know not to trust this because like at the end of season six like because they do the misdirect um, where we don't realize until the very end that he's getting his soul. Like he keeps, they use all this language of like, oh, the bitch is going to get what she deserves. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Like 
everything is feeding the this is a you know this is like we're not we're not supposed to trust this right right and like while the writers have said that that was on purpose i just mm, i don't know that it works right but yeah so they leave the bronze buffy it's very weird the way like buffy's beating up on spike and then they're like oh nancy left and she's like okay i'm gonna go and like just kind (laughs) of exits the fight (laughs) why did nancy leave right why did it take her so long to start running when the ground starts shaking (laughs) why are there so many alleyways in sunnydale (laughs) so i recently moved um not recently but in the last three years after living in new york for 10 years i moved back to new jersey where i'm from and when i go out in philly i always like everyone's always like "Uh uh-huh but I always make that because like the neighborhood in Philly is like very small, of course. And there's a lot of alleys. And like to walk to the next bar, you have to walk down weird, dark alleys. And <laughs> I just always think like, hmm, this is Sunnydale. I would have been killed by like 10 vampires by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they just leave. I do like the Anya and Xander scene. I mean, it's not that long, but I like it's almost like a, it, I mean, not almost. It is foreshadowing. She says to Xander. Like, you do not want to see DeHoffrin when he's angry, um, which we, in Selfless, learn when she undoes her wish that Ugh. just to get back at her, he kills Halfrek. Anya... It's a horrible moment. Like, it's really... That's a, such a... Yeah. And Anya... The thing about Anya is Anya is almost like the chorus, and she always is a lot more aware of the things outside of the Scoobies than the Scoobies are. Yeah. So I like that she's kind of like, no, he will do terrible things like you don't understand... And Xander's just kind of like, well, like doesn't get it. Um, I like that. I do wish we'd had a little bit more Anya because then we just kind of like, you know, she appears later, but we don't really get enough of her in this. Episode. Never enough. There's never enough. Yes. Of her. <laughs> I think that's another reason why the, the you know, like the, maybe the season feels a little like heavy in characters because we get so much screen time with so many different people and it all feels like, oh no, we need like, we're getting way too much of these people and not enough of. Yes. of these people so and the cast i mean triples yeah yes yeah like in one episode it triples yeah. and then it just keeps getting bigger <laughs> yeah yeah um it's even a lot with like robin and his mom and shit like that's right. plenty <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and like i i mean i'll probably talk about this a hundred times this season but i always felt like the way they could have done that where it's like a big battle and there's a lot of people is like just have angel and his crew come in at the last minute and then it's like cool here are a bunch of new characters but we know who they are it's fine that they're there to help and that way they make the battle bigger without having to overload us with all these characters we're supposed to care about like i mean i mean that would have been great like i mean yeah have the angel have a big finale ever you know blowout with everybody you know kind of thing you could also a major cheat could be you get a couple of the potentials who actually serve a purpose such as kennedy who becomes a lover or <laughs> you know don's classmate that's right that's someone and you're you're just a couple more people in the house um, and then when it becomes time for, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is put together some sort of bat signal that could, yeah. you know, mass attract tons of Slayers to Sunnydale. And, you know, the next 400 girls just show up for the finale. Yeah, that's also, that's also true. Because, like, it's not like they got that much personality anyway. So it's, like, fine. No. Just, have them just be like, oh, now all these other Slayers showed up. Now we're ready to go. Sure. Great. Uh, but so Buffy Batmans her way into this scene, which is ridiculous. 
um, swinging on like a rope, I guess, to save <laughs> Nancy. <laughs> oh my god, it's the best for swinging on that rope. <laughs> um, she swings in, she saves Nancy. Spike pops up again and is like uh, uh, doing his thing. I remember that being in the trailer for the episode of him like twirling the whatever pipe he has, which is a thing James Marshall is a good at because he does it in Fool for Love too. Um, and then he accidentally stabs the guy which i don't know i i feel like it's like they just did the spell to like just in time for spike to do it um but then this plot like doesn't matter right then it's like completely dropped spike runs off buffy runs off the whole episode basically i think had been building to this moment i think it was the plot didn't quite matter it was just kind of like we need to get anya and spike back in the mix and we want to end with this right i I really love this end. I love this end. I love it. I like the lighting. I like the dialogue. This is, I can remember when I watched it the first time, like sobbing through this end, because at the time I was like very big on Spike and Buffy and I wanted their relationship to be healed. You know, as an older adult now, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I still think the scene is really good, but I don't know that it works. I like the reveal of his soul and they're both really good actors, but yep. Yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> Are you talking about the final, the very yeah. final? Oh, when he leans on the cross. Oh, so good, right? It's great. And <laughs> I, I say this as someone who isn't rooting for them in any way and finds the Drusilla talk annoying. I love Drusilla and I love when she does it. But this felt like an impression, like an impression or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, to stumble across the church and dramatically lean on a, a silver cross that will burn your skin and the smoke rises. I love that shit. Yeah. Crystal, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's very draggy. <laughs> it feels <laughs> like very, a yeah. really <laughs> drag moment, um, which it's I, it, it had me clapping. Go, I mean, at least go for it. Yeah, it's very religious, which is also very drag. Um, <laughs> just like everything about, Catholicism is draggy. The robes, yes. the gold, and the the rings, and the, the swingy things with the smoke. Like, yeah, it's very drag. And um, um, yeah, this is a great scene. It's a great scene. And like, God, James Marsters has to work so hard this episode, and he really like sells it yeah. consistently. Yeah, I yes, I think he is one of the. I think the the women on Buffy are all great, but I think he's one of the best uh, male actors on the show. He's unbelievable. And it, it's such a hard part to play and not be annoying. I yes. mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, I guess what's funny is like the writing of the show, the dialogue is so rough. Like it's, it's a lot of made up words. It's a lot of like joke, really reaching for jokes. And it's, it, it, you have to be so good to pull it off. And that's, I think what, you know, is the big difference between a Don and a Buffy not that Michelle Trackenberg is such a bad actress, but she's a kid and she's not like able to pull off what is this really actually quite schlocky, fun, campy writing. Um, but yeah, when you see Sarah Michelle Gellar, you never, none of her jokes seem corny to me, even though on paper they're shockingly corny. Um, <laughs> and same with Spike, he pulls it off. It's yeah. It, it, and it really shows who isn't up to par. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a very like you. That's a very like sort of like 
tell of who's a good like Whedon actor of like who can really pivot between the like what could on paper be called bad writing like basically like these very very like you know stiff sort of um drama speechifying and then real glib one-liners exactly i i think that that and i mean gabe you work in tv so maybe you can talk about this i i do think the writers knew their actors really well on these on this show like i felt like the writers always knew and you know we've interviewed a few of them and they they talk about those actors like they would be like oh i knew that they would deliver this line like a lot of them especially emma caulfield talk about her and like writing lines for anya um and i feel like this was like a perfect storm of like the writers and the actors both being like top tier i mean right sometimes you have to write to like what you know they'll be able to deliver right gabe yeah, 100%. Like, I've only written in what would be considered comedy rooms. So it's mm-hmm. a really collaborative thing. I wonder how much of Buffy was written, because it is an hour long. I'm going to call it a comedy. I think it is one, but it's written like an hour long drama. Uh, so, but like when we, in any writer's room I've been in, you like you pitch dialogue in the voice of, the actor which is actually quite embarrassing but like <laughs> it's one of the only ways to know if a joke is gonna like be funny coming out of their mouth so it's like every writer has like an impression of every cast member um <laughs> and you sort of like that's how you put together the jokes and I, w- I i would not be surprised if that's how they did it there or you have to at least have their voice in your head yeah and definitely like any actor on any of the shows that I've written on, like I know what little things they say or a certain thing, a way they pronounce a certain thing that I think is special to them that I'll always go for. Hmm. Now I'm thinking of what your Alana impression would be, Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) The same one that you have in your head. I mean, yeah, it's like, she's such a clear character. It's really like Abby was the one where it was like, okay, I know um, certain noises coming out of Abby's mouth are going to be really, really funny. I think it helps that I'm from Philly and she's from Philly. So you can write to like her accent beneath Mm -hmm. the everyday speak. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there was like, there were so many little, I think Abby was like way almost more specific to write for because her voice is so different um, and she has a slight accent. I love that. I didn't know you're from Philly. Um, In case you all are wondering, we're talking about Broad City because Gabe wrote for Broad City and it's one of my favorite shows. Um, Loves it. But uh, yeah, I'm Adam. Did you like this end? I did. I mean, again, I'm not a hardcore um, Buffy Spike person. So it was one of those things where like, yes, I enjoyed it. Like, I I think they really both nailed it. I think both those actors are just like super fabulous. So I really, really echo what everybody else has said. But yeah, it's it's tricky. They're really asking these actors to do a lot of like sort of verbal gymnastics right now. Cause it's, if you have to nail a lot of different story beats and emotions and you're really sort of setting up this, um, larger season seven tone of yeah. like very adultness. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So we are at the end before we get to our ratings. We're now going to have Buffy season seven costume designer, Matt Van Dyne with a quick rundown of the outfits from this episode. We can do that. Let's see beneath you. What I remember about that episode. Let's see that. Oh, we, we were speaking of uh, spikes blue pullover, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that I looked at my notes and it's funny. It's constantly referred to, in my notes, even when we're 
accounting for inventorying everything as quote unquote Spike's new look. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there we are, Spike's new look. And uh, that was from what I saw in my notes, Versace and I'm trying to remember what store that came from. I'd have to go back and look. Um, maybe Bloomingdale's. I'm not sure. I'm not, or maybe Saks, now that I think Versace. But, uh, but yeah, very sexy on him, I thought. Yes. And um, <laughs> I'm glad you agree. And, uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, the tailoring, you know, to show just a little bit of the midsection. I thought that was really great. And uh, again, Sarah's jewelry, you know, I loved her jewelry. Very um very sexy you know for that and the way uh oh the the black and white lace top that's in that episode correct yeah yeah the little tank yeah, top yeah the little yeah. tank top i know where that came from it was a, a store and i think it's still there run by a very very sweet woman her name is gabrielle it's a store called blue and it's b l e u and uh, it was a favorite store, I believe, of Sarah's, that, a boutique. I think she liked to shop there. But then when we found that out, we did a lot of shopping there. And I believe Terry Dresback found that top, actually. And I think it, it had to have multiples. I saw that from my notes. <laughs> we bought like four, <laughs> four of them. Okay. And uh, I believe it cost $128 which isn't a whole lot really. But as you can see, it wasn't much to it really. It was just, I'll go back and look Don't you know, don't, don't quote me on that. But, but but again, uh, what I referred to about building on an outfit, that was so Sarah that you see when she grabs a jacket and throws it on over the top, she's ready to go outdoors. You know, that was a big thing. So she could, uh, you know, be comfortable outdoors, but everything was, uh, coordinated that way to to make it easy to build, and it's a sexy look with Spike. I mean, it it is you know the little yeah spaghetti strap, you know, very very sexy. So I remember that, and then I think I I just have to talk about Anya's dress. Okay. <laughs> so, so in that episode, the and it's so funny that I remember that dress because. It was custom made for Emma for that episode. And the initial fitting uh, didn't go all that well. And I remember that. And there there is something about that dress that bothers me a little bit. If you (laughs) watch the episode, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Okay. I think you can watch and see if you could. I I think it'd be like a game for maybe your fans to all figure out, you know, and, uh, but there's just something about it that just, it's a minor, minor thing that maybe nobody else would catch. But I remember something about that in the fitting. Eventually though, the dress, I think it looks good on camera, but, but there's just one little detail that I'm like, "Er, that's not (laughs) quite right. <laughs> and it's funny that you had it custom made. It's it's yes. not even in the episode for that long. Yes, right, right, right. Is that when you know she's she's uh you know 
rethinking, I guess, yeah, the spell, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She gets, doesn't she get thrown on the floor in that dress or something? Yeah. Parents might have a fight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but, and Emma, what, I mean, I, I never got to talk enough about Emma. What a beautiful girl and what a sweetheart as well. I mean, just so much fun to costume, you know, because, I, you know, what I, what I couldn't do for Sarah or Michelle or Willow or, or Allison, you could do on, on Emma, uh, on you, you know, just, you know, the little funny caps and, you know, the, you know, the colors and everything. It was, yeah, it's just a whole different kind of deal, you know, with her. So, and that was fun. So, uh, but that's what I remember about that episode. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Crystal, what's your favorite scene? Um, I think my favorite scene is Anya trying to get girls drunk. And I just <laughs> like the story that that paints. <laughs> just like Anya's just at a bar trying to get girls drunk and complaining about their, their lovers. Or maybe maybe it's the opening scene um, with the potential slayer. Okay. I like how it gives the concept of a bigger world and all of these other things going on. Uh, Gabe, favorite scene? Um, okay, it's a tie. It's two favorite moments. One I already mentioned, but Don saying to Spike, you sleep, right? That's great. <laughs> and the and um, Anya looking into Spike's eyes, kind of backing him away from the table. Oh my God. Like that moment where she's just scanning him in this way that no one else can it's i found it electrifying all right uh adam well um i'm a librarian gay so i like any giles scene so i actually do really really like the giles willow very miniature arc here in these first few episodes um i wish they had had the budget to explore that or the willingness of either actor to to do it i'm not really sure yeah but it i i definitely love these two actors maybe the the best and these two characters maybe the best so um anything where there's sort of this sort of like heightened almost x many feel to um this sort of like you know ex- explore that grief and training especially with someone with characters who have as, as long and deep of a history as giles and willow do my favorite scene is uh that end i just love the end i love the color i love the lighting i love the outfits um okay and favorite outfit gabe okay um i'm gonna give it to one specific piece of clothing um that adam i feel like you were talking about earlier but the light a light colored choker Mm -hmm. um and this would be buffy's tan suede triple wrapped choker (laughs) with the sort of like throwing star really heavy medallion on the end that sits a little askew um that she wears in the episode starting from when the sun sets so she doesn't wear it to school but when she turns when she puts on her darker camisole for to get serious with the black spaghetti straps the choker she's wearing there um that that wins the prize yeah it looked like somebody was trying to like strangle her with the leather shoelace (laughs) exactly i bet (laughs) it's exactly what it looks like uh like got tangled and how does she not rip it off and throw it somewhere because that so sharp yeah love it Um, so Crystal, what's your favorite outfit? Um, it's gotta be Party City Techno German Girl. 
fair. Uh, Adam? Gosh, took my top two, the the the, the shoelace choker and the and the and the and the alias wig, which I did find out is um this is one season after the premiere season of Alias, so we're we're, we're copying Alias, folks, mm, a little bit. All right. Well, so my favorite, I I love her end outfit. I just I I think that tank top is really cute, and as <laughs> as Adam knows, I put a lot of work into doing um. <clears throat> the cover pictures that I do for these, and I made I made that fucking choker on the Buffy figure that I photographed, and it took me <laughs> fucking forever. Damn you! <laughs> I painted some string and I ripped it apart. Made that. Fucking I necklace. want you to recreate that um, Parks and Rec. Is this something a depressed person could make? Because that's like, me. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode diorama is like. Hey, I just have it. I just a picture, just a picture of you showing it to your dad. <laughs> um, but a close second is Spike in that blue shirt because he looks good in that. He blue looks shirt. really good in that shirt. Yes. Yeah. It fits him nicely. Ugh, yeah. Um. So now we're gonna grade the episode. Adam, what grade do you give it? <laughs> I give it a. Um, I give it a B plus for a season seven episode and I give it a B minus for a regular in the scope of all of Buffy. All right. All right. Uh, Crystal. I think it's a C it's it. It's a nothing happens except moving plots forward so that things can happen later. Mm. Gabe. Yeah. I'm going with Crystal. It's a C it passes. It's good. Um, It's not in trouble, but it's, You know, it's nothing special, and there weren't. I'm, re- you know, you really have to search for moments. Fair, fair. I, I give it a C plus. Um, for kind of. I graded this episode the best. I know. Episode the best. I thought it was okay. All right. <laughs> I know, Adam. When you gave that grade, I was like, "Ooh, Adam thinks he's being very like Adam." Trying this to is be why right I always there. go last because, like, here's the thing. Like, I'm normally like the Michelle in this freaking show because, like, I'm always just like, I don't know, F. Like, didn't do what it's supposed to do. Um, and I was trying to get softer this episode, and, and this is what I get. That's what happened. Turns out you loved the episode. Turns out I'm a huge beneath you fan. Stan. Yeah, top ten. Um, all right, so thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Gabe, let everyone know where they can find you on the internet. Um, find me on Twitter at Gabe Liebman. And Crystal, where can everyone find you? Um, it's Crystal. We'll see you on all fine platforms and some non-fine ones too. <laughs> and Adam? Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at the Adam Sass on Instagram at it's Adam Sass. And you can pick up my young adult debut novel, Surrender Your Sons, wherever you buy your books. And if you like SlayerFest98, you can find us on all social media platforms at SlayerFestX98. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other places. And if you want to follow me, I'm at IanXCarlos on all social media platforms. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.